Hello, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. I'm Steve Wiss. I'm with Jonathan Fadugba, and another week of action has gone by up there in Norway and Sweden and in Europe. Jonathan, I'm sure you've been following the results and the action with bated breath. How's it going? Hi, Steve. Hi, everybody. Yes, uh, welcome back to the Nordic Football Podcast. I'm doing well. And uh, yeah, it's been an interesting week. Quite a long week. I feel like quite a lot has happened um, in both Norway and Sweden. There's been different developments. Obviously, we had European football. We did have an interesting week in Sweden and Norway. And we also had two bonus pods last week for you um, on Patreon, patreon.com slash Nordic Football Podcast. Um, one of them was midweek round. And we had a good success rate, fifty percent. Obviously, we um, predict predictions of the matches, and we also had another one at the weekend just gone as well. Um, but we're going to start. I think we're going to start in Sweden this week. Am I right in saying, Steve? Yeah, we are. I think Europe, Europe matches, and then into Sweden. I think we're going to do. Yeah, but the first thing we are going to do is just go straight into a listener question because we always ask every Monday if you have a listener question, send it in. And we did have one well before Monday, in fact. So we're going to get right onto it. It's from Max Graves at Max Graves ninety one. Um, he asks Stephen. I just think it's a good place to start, just because it's always nice to have a you know mutual uh, Sweden Norway discussion. He said, "I'm a massive fan of the podcast. I've been following the Danish Superliga, and your podcast has also got me following the Allsvenskan and the Elite Serien." Question for the pod: Who would you recommend supporting in both of these leagues? I am a Spurs fan. Who would you recommend in Allsvenskan and Elite Serien? I'm not a glory hunter. I fancy the underdog who are more focused on bringing through talent than buying. Uh, so academy talent more than buying. So first question there, uh, who are the who are the Spurs of Sweden and Norway? Steve, are you going to start you off? Yeah. Who are, we... the, who are the Spurs of the elite <laughs> area? It's a, it's a tough one. I don't really think there is a Spurs in, in Norway. We, we, we were chatting about this uh, before we started the pod. I think that the two closest teams I can come to that is probably Volaringa or Lillestrøm. Um, both have not won a title for decades. Um, and, um, you know, Volaringa's case, I'm not even sure the last time they actually won a trophy, but they have won trophies, obviously, before. And, um, you know, I don't think either side are necessarily bottlers. But I think whenever they've kind of, there's been the odd season, it might have looked like getting into a title race or expectations were high and it hasn't happened. So that's sort of... The, the, probably the two closest Spurs comparisons I can come with. In terms of a team to support, he likes sort of local talent, homegrown talent. It might be not a bad time to get on the on the Tromso bandwagon because mm. you know the, this moment in time they're being overshadowed by their big brother. I mean, there's kind of a Spurs comparison there. You know, Arsenal have done that several times in the last couple of decades, haven't they? Not so much maybe in recent times, but you know what I mean. So I think Tromso would be an interesting one to support um, because they do, because just where they're located, you tend to get a lot of um, sort of local, uh, locally grown uh, players um, in there. But uh, Volarenga or Lillestrøm could be one to look at as well. Yeah, just before we get angry um, text messages from Lillestrøm and Volarenga fans, uh, Lillestrøm have actually won the title five times in their history. Um, but the most recent one was 1989. Um, they won the Norwegian Cup as well in 2017. Um, on the uh, European scale, they got to the UEFA Intertoto Cup runners-up in 2006, but that's probably about it. Runners-up of the Royal League 2006 as well. But yeah, five-time title winners there. And Wallerenga, I was actually quite surprised to learn that Wallerenga have only won the league five times themselves as well. Um, 
last most recent title was 2005 um, and they're four-time Norwegian Cup winners, but they haven't won the Cup since 2008. So I suppose maybe Wallerengel have the advantage there, wouldn't they, Steve, being that they're based in the capital, Oslo? Yeah, Lillestrøm obviously not too far from the capital either. And uh, I mean, end of the day, you know, if you're going to be the Spurs of, of Norway, it's not the worst sort of comparison, is it? There's, there's, you know, I'm trying. To, I'm not even going to mention a team, a derogatory term, but you don't want to be like the Wigan of Norway, do you? Sort of thing, you know, along those sort of lines. So it's not the end of the earth being the Spurs of Norway. Yeah, and I think my answer, uh, Max, would be. I thought about this for a while. I think I think Hammerby are probably the um, most similar to Spurs. I think they've got that kind of, you know, no disrespect to Spurs, but they've got that kind of uh, flaky reputation. Maybe it's quite funny that we automatically assume that Spurs means bottling it, didn't it, Steve? I think you said that as well. Um, she's yeah. the worst comparison ever there by the way I think yeah, Wigan so. have actually won a trophy more recently than Spurs yeah I was going to say <laughs> you're disrespecting Wigan there but um, no Hammerby I would choose because they're obviously they're based in Stockholm um, they've got more sort of successful slash illustrious rivals in the same sort of city as them um, obviously Spurs have got Arsenal and maybe Chelsea although they might argue their place in that you know in that hierarchy, but of course they are their sort of big rivals, um, West Ham as well, maybe. And in Stockholm, Hammerby have got obviously Eurogarden and uh, AIK, who are the kind of two other big boys that kind of look down on Hammerby a little bit. So I think that's probably where um, <clears throat> Spurs' place would be in terms of a, a similar club. Um, also, Hammerby have that reputation simply because they've only won the Osvenskan once in their entire history, uh, 2001. And that's why this season is such a big season for them. You know, they've been doing such a good job this year. Um, but they are, you know, unfortunately, sorry to say this, Max or any other Spurs fan, but they have been a little bit Spursy um in recent rounds. The the form's massively dipped tailed off. They could they could be they could be running away with the title this season, to be honest. Some of the games points they've dropped dropped points again this weekend, which we'll talk about in a second. But yeah, only one win in their entire history and only one Swedish Cup win as well in, in 2021. So yeah, it's um Unfortunately, Hammerby fans, or unfortunately, Spurs fans, I'm going to have to liken you up. I mean, Hammerby were formed in 1889, um, and their recent, uh, you know, 1915 in terms of as a football department, but they've got a long, long and proud history. So to only win, have won a title once is quite big, considering they've got a massive fan base, you know, which Spurs do as well. You know, Spurs are quite a popular club, and um, so were Hammerby. You know, they, 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 their attendance tonight, I think, was around. Uh, I think their well, the average attendance this season is in the twenty thousands or so. Um, so that's which is really high for for Sweden. So that would be my team. Hammerby would be the team I think you might mm. want to look at supporting. Mm. In terms of academy talent, um, before we just move on that one as well, I think I thought about this for quite a while. One thing I would say, Max and and Steve as well, and to any listener, probably I'd say that Swedish clubs are really good at developing talent. So it was quite hard to pick like one team in with a good academy. You know, in England. You know, Manchester United have that famous... I know who you're going to pick here. Manchester United have that famous proud record, obviously, of consecutive, uh, you know, academy players playing in their in their first team for an, a successful period of so many years. Chelsea probably have the most the best modern-day academy in England. Um, there's other clubs that do really good youth development, don't they, in England that you could name? But in Sweden, I think there's, there's so many that it's actually hard to pick one and say, yeah, they're the, they're the team that does youth development. Um I think that EF Koyotobuk have a really, really good academy. Um, but they're not kind of like a small club, are they? You mentioned sort of a team that are not 
the favourites or whatever. IFK, a massive club in Sweden, one of the biggest um, historically in, in terms of success. Uh, Malmo have an incredible academy. I think they 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 bring through really good talent. Armin Hodzic, they just showed, you know they sold to Sheffield United a massive um, price. He's a product of their academy. They've had so many. Hugo Larsson, the big one at the moment. Um, it's really hard. I think I think Hacken have a, a good academy. They've had that that business model's kind of been built around the Gothia Cup, um, and they've been able to invest in that and really sort of push that and, and bring through youth players. But they're not. I don't think they're renowned for having like top academy talents that have gone on um, to huge successes. So I think. It's a, it's a really tough one. ARK have got a great academy. They sold a lot of players from their academy. Who I think maybe academy? if you wanted to widen your horizons a little bit and look down the divisions, I think Bromapoikin would probably be the one that most people in Sweden would talk about if you were going to say like a really good academy team. So if you were looking for a club to support and you wanted to dip down the divisions a little bit, Bromapoikin, I think would probably be the one. They're, they're arguably the best academy in, in Sweden. We did have an episode with their former head coach, Sean Constable. About two years ago, if you go back in the archives, you can listen to that. And we talk about Bromma Poikina. Obviously, Dejan Kulisevsky, who's at Spurs, by the way, came from Bromma Poikina. So there's a little tie-in for you there. So maybe it's all coming together for you there, Max, maybe. Um, but yeah, let us know if you do choose a team. And uh, I quite enjoy these. So if you do have uh, any other listeners, if you support a team and you want us to sort of compare them to a, a team in Sweden or Norway, get you into, into the leagues, then do let us know. Steve, I don't know if you have any uh, thoughts on that. Who did you think I was going to say? Oh, hacking that all day. Yeah. I thought you would say. But Bromley Poikin are a good shout for a lower league team. Yeah, and if you want to go really hipster, then I'd say Orgarita. Um, for me, they're one of the best academies in in uh, in Sweden over the sort of past 10 years. They've produced some really good players. Um, some of them haven't actually gone on to their successes, but in terms of a club that produces talent, um, I think Orgarita are quite strong as well. But um, there's, there's so many, that's the thing in, in Sweden. I mean, how, you can even look at Hammerby. You know, you've got the likes of Swedberg who have gone on. Um, this season alone, so it's quite hard. I think I think Swedish clubs are good at producing talent because partly because they have to. So um, yeah, but I think Bromma Poikin are probably the uh, the one you'd look at. Yeah, definitely. So uh, anyway, we're going to start off by talking a little bit about uh, the European matches um, last week and the teams in that were involved in Norway and Sweden. Budaglimt drew one all away to PSV Eindhoven. Molde drew nil nil against Ghent. Jorgarn also in the same group, 0-0 draw away to Shamrock Rovers. Malmo lost at home to Braga 2-0. Um, there were several results involving Danish sides. Michelin lost, I think, to Sturm Graz 1-0. Copenhagen lost in the Champions League to uh, Dortmund. Silkeborg, I'm not actually sure how they did. Um, you were going to update me on that result, I think, uh, Jonathan. And uh, HJK Helsinki couldn't uh, be a Nordic football podcast without a bit of a Finland talk. They uh, they lost 2-0 at home to Real Betis and they travel to Rome this week to take on Jose Mourinho's Roma. So uh, we'll wish them the very best of luck there. Yeah, and, and just to um, just to let you know on that one, Steve, uh, Silkeborg lost uh, against, I think they lost against, was Anderlecht. Right. So, yeah, they lost 1-0. One 1-0 nil. One nil away at Anderlecht. Um, so... Got yeah, West Ham uh, next. Yeah, the big—I mean, the big one in Europe this week for us mm. is the uh, is the Classico, isn't it? It's the Norway Sweden Classico, Eurogard yeah. Molde. I think that's the only place to start, really, isn't it? Yeah, um, it is. Group yeah. F, the game we've been looking forward to in the Conference League, um, and just to sort of talk about the group itself, everyone's on one point. Eurogard uh, drew with Shamrock Rovers away, nil nil, and uh, again Molde was nil nil as well. So let's let's start with that game. 
Um, Steve, I don't know if you caught some of the Mulder mm. game at all, but Mulder in general are looking quite strong, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, both matches were nil-nil in the group. This was a match. I thought they would actually beat Ghent, but um, and they were the better team. But it was one of those, Ghent actually defended quite well. I thought, for me, the best player on the pitch was the big Kenyan, Joseph uh, Kumu. I thought uh, he had a, a really good game. But in general, um, Ghent, I thought, had a, had a, a solid game. Plan. Mulder probably should have won it. They'll look back and think, oh, we should have won that game. But at least they haven't lost it. And, um, you know, Ghent on paper, I suppose, uh, they might feel are the, 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 the toughest test of the group. So it, it was a very low-scoring night in, in, in that group. And let's see how these um, next two matches go on, on Thursday evening. And uh, someone actually asked me to do a betting preview for this game. And I did a, a bunch of research and stuff. And I actually had to turn it down because <laughs> I, I find this a really impossible match to predict. I think it's so hard. There's no edge either way. I mean, you can make a case for either side types of goals and everything like that. So I think it's an absolutely intriguing contest. But fundamentally, I think say Mulder played quite well last week, but they were at home and they often play well at home there. But uh, Ghent defended well. Yeah, and in, in Ireland, um, the game between Shamrock Rovers and Newgarden finished 0-0. Um, the, I mean, it was it was fairly evenly matched game in terms of the XG. Uh, Shamrock Rovers 0.38 versus um, Your Gardens 0.81 according to Footmob. Uh, so yeah, I mean, from my point of view, I, I'm not going to lie. I thought it was quite a boring match mm. um, in terms of entertainment. Didn't think it was the, the greatest sort of showing of of Your Garden on on the global stage, um, considering the game was even on broadcast in England on on BT Sport. So it was a real opportunity for I suppose a team like Your Garden to maybe show what they can do. Didn't didn't think they really achieved that. Um, so this game will be an interesting one as well. I think it is being broadcast on BT, um, but maybe on their website. This game, so I don't know if it's you know on their main channels, but um, yeah, it'll be it'll be a massive match. They've just played the Stockholm derby, which we will talk about shortly, um, and they're, they're going quite well in the title race. I've got a feeling Mulder might win it. Don't know, just from some of the games I've seen in Mulder this season, I feel like their quality is maybe slightly above Osvenskan. Um, in terms of how they've performed. But I think Jurgen at home, you know, I mentioned it on last week's show, I think Jurgen are very, very strong at home. You know, they, they, they've got really good fans and I think they'll be really, really up for it, especially first, you know, first game in Europe for so long. So I think I could probably see this ending in a draw, if I'm honest, mm. um, or maybe a narrow Mulder win. But I think Jurgen haven't looked amazing in the recent weeks. You know, we'll talk about that in a minute. I don't know. I don't know if the two games a week might be catching up with them. But, uh, yeah, I think it'll be an exciting match. I think it's going to be a match where neither team's going to want to lose it. And I, I could honestly, I could see a nil-nil again. If it was, I mean, you're going to have had two straight nil-nils. So they're obviously defending quite well at the moment. And um, you're right, you know, the game against Shamrock was uh, was very uh, boring. Probably best remembered for some of the chants from the home fans, really, that you might have seen floating around Twitter. Um but uh, yeah, I think it's. A t- I would lean Mulder slightly if I had to, but I, I can't be sure because I think this the Tele Two Arena is going to be rocking for this one. It's going to be, um, you know, the fans are going to be really right behind them, and I think Mulder do I do have a bit more quality about them. But you're uh, going to give it absolutely everything. I think it's a, such a tough game to predict, and it's an intriguing, intriguing clash. Any so your predictions nil nil? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think I'm going to go draw and nil nil yeah yeah i'm gonna go one or draw 
Um, so, yeah, I think we both think it'll be a draw. And then it's Ghent against Shamrock as well. Uh, so, moving on, obviously, uh, yeah, Akuma, you mentioned there, the big Kenyan, formerly of Elsborg, uh, someone I used to rave about on this po- very podcast before he moved on. We've also got Silkeborg West Ham. That's, that's quite a big game in the Conference League. And I know you've mentioned some of the other ties. Um, the other team to keep an eye out for in terms of Sweden, Steve, before we move on to domestic matters, Union Sinji Loire will play Malmo. Uh, we talked about Malmo Braga in the midweek preview pod on Patreon, um, and it went the way we predicted it. Obviously, uh, Braga got a comfortable win, 2-0 uh, win there. And um, Malmo, obviously, bottom of the group at this moment in time. They've still got Sinji Loire and Union Berlin to play. So big game for Malmo there. They need to sort of maybe get something from that game against Union Sinji Loire, but I think they will find that tough again. Uh, so, uh, Glimp Zurich, don't know if you've got maybe a quick prediction on that, that Steve. Yeah, Glimp, Glimp should have too much for Zurich. I've looked at Zurich's form, it's horrendous. They've lost six of their first eight games as defending champions in the league, and um, we know Glimp are really strong at home in Europe on their own patch. So, I think this is a... They actually played really well last week against PSV, who I was disappointed with, I must say. But I think Glimp, um, arguably, were the better team in some respects um, in, in Holland. So, I would fully expect them to get the three points against Zurich at home. Fantastic stuff. And I think that pretty much rounds it up. We can move on to uh, domestic matters now if you... Yes, absolutely, Jonathan. Yes, we're going to start in, in Sweden this week. And uh, we just, well, I just briefly mentioned the result of the Stockholm derby. Always a spoiler, aren't I? Um, but yeah, it was uh, an ill-nil draw between Hammond and York Garten. Um, two teams were fighting for the title. What did you make of this one then, Jonathan? Nil-nil, uh, not the best of games in my opinion. I don't think it was the classic in terms of the Stockholm derby. Uh, you know, Hammerby went into it. Obviously, there's the Gilgot and the Ghost everyone always talks about. I think we maybe start talking about the Hammerby Ghost because I think there's been a while now for them um, in Stockholm derbies. I think they, they haven't had a great run of this. You might have the head-to-heads uh, in front of you. But yes, uh, in terms of the game itself... Um, Jurgarden expected goals was 0.29, according to our partners, Y-Scout. Uh, Heimerbees with 1.4. Uh, they hit the post, Nahir Basara, and went a little bit closer. They had the ball in the net as well, but it was disallowed. Um, and, yeah, all in all, uh, I didn't think it was an amazing game, to be honest. It had the predictable kind of start with the, the flares and, you know, the kind of um, everything that you always get. The, the TIFOs was really, really impressive. It's the sort of game that you really, you know, I always say, if you can get to a Stockholm derby in your lifetime, it's probably worth going. Uh, really great atmosphere as usual. Both sets of fans, you know, don't like each other. I didn't mention it in the last in the last Stockholm derby um, some weeks ago that there was some fights broke out, didn't they? It went viral on Twitter. People fighting in the stands, AIK and Diff fans, I think it was. Um, and there was several arrests and things like that. But um, this one was, you know, there's always a little bit of uh, a bit of beef between these sort of Stockholm teams. But yeah, in the end, it, it kind of um, it kind of just ended in in a, in a draw that. Doesn't really help either team. There was a, a massive um, issue with, and the goalkeepers Oliver, Oliver Dovin was called back into the team. Uh, Blazovic was dropped, but um, unfortunately for Dovin, uh, he, he he got a really bad um, injury. It looks like um, I really rate him as a good young goalkeeper. Uh, so unfortunately, he had to leave, and he left the left the field in tears. In fact, um, that was you know real disappointment in the in the, in the derby. Um, but yeah, you know overall. Um, you know, Hammerby were screaming about a penalty that they felt should have maybe been given. Um, and, you know, the game really was a kind of came down to a lot of decisions, if you know what I mean. Hammerby 
good in the first 20 minutes. Um, Jurgarden had little spells where they maybe tried to press and, you know, did what they could. Um, I think Edwin Curtis made a couple of errors that nearly led to big chances for, for Diff. Um, but yeah, in the end, no one really uh, did much, to be honest, and it ended in the draw. Yeah, incredible week, actually. Just one of the top eight in Alsvenskan won this round, and it almost feels like the sort of match neither wanted to lose. You would say that, that Hammerby uh, do stay, stay in the title race like with that draw. They're, they're certainly not out of it. They're only five points from the top. And you mentioned this head-to-head, actually. This is probably the, the head-to-head which is starting to swing towards your garden in recent times. They are unbeaten in the last five league games against Hammerby now, which that's that's got to be progress, isn't it, for them in, in one of these, uh, in these Stockholm derbies. So we're... Uh, Fair play to, to your garden there. And, you know, on the back of an away trip in Europe, I suppose, I mean, for them, they've got to be the, the more happy with the point. I think they will be, yeah. I think you I think Hammer will be really disappointed. I think there was a real feeling that um, they 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 maybe should have won this game. And I think that's probably why they were complaining a little bit after the match as well. I think they, I think deep down, they're kind of kicking themselves. Um Ed, don't forget, obviously, Newgarden missing some players. Victor Edvardson missed this match. He was suspended as well, so that's a big blow. I mean, Edvardson, for all I've, I've been a little bit cr- critical of him this season, he's still been a big player for them. Um, so him not playing was, was I think, quite a big thing. Um, and, yeah, there was a sort of dodgy offside decision. There's been a few dodgy decisions, actually, this last couple of rounds in North Fence game. Uh, I'm not going to say I miss VAR, but <laughs> I think some of them would have definitely gone to VAR. Um, there was a complaint about an offside uh, goal maybe that was given offside. Um, so, you know, Marty Sufuentes said he, he's really disappointed with just one point. We started very well. Um, we took we had two clear chances. Um, he said, I don't know how Yepi's goal is offside as well. Um, and a point does not feel good. The players are disappointed. So that that sums it up. Um, and yeah, of course, uh, Yepi Anderson's goal was, was like I said, sort of loud for offside. Saeedi came out and said he was, you know, it was a hundred percent goal. Um, and there was also a uh, potential penalty for um, a foul on Barisha from Marcus Danielson. So, yeah, definitely, I think Jurgen will be the happier. But there is just—I'm just wondering with Jurgen—are they are they are they just sort of starting to creak it a little bit when they they kind of need to, you know, if they, if they were playing once a week, I get the feeling they might have you know taken more points. And um, you know, I asked this evening, does anybody want to win offense game at the moment? Because everybody seems to be dropping points, um, and I just feel like Jurgen. Maybe this European run might stretch their squad to the max. It's certainly a draw which would have pleased several teams. Uh, Icor, if they'd beaten Varberg, would have moved into third place. I actually watched that game against an incredibly physical Varberg side, I must say, and they couldn't handle them. And Varberg beat them 2 0. And then obviously the doors open for Hecken, who we actually said in our preview show, the weekend preview show on Patreon, this was a, always going to be a tough game at Kalmar, and they got themselves a one-all draw. I watched this game as well on Monday evening, and I thought it was a really good match, actually. Um, cracking game of football. Positives for both sides, I thought, in this one. But again, you know, do Hecken look back on this game and think, oh, what a chance we had to go, what would be three points clear? To be honest, I I don't think they'll kick themselves. Um, and my reasoning for that is because I think Kalmar are such a good team. Mm. I think they're a tough, tough place to go. Um, they've got one of the best defensive records in Osvenskan. They've only conceded 18 goals all season. Uh, Jurgarden is the only team, I think, in the league that's got better goal, better defence. 
So I think you could say, yeah, the team that's going in the league should maybe maybe nick the points there. But if you look at it, Kamar have beaten Malmo. Um, uh, sorry. Yeah, Kamar have beaten Malmo in recent weeks. Sorry. Beat them away from home. Um, they've beaten EF Koyotaborg. Obviously, they've beaten ARK at home. They've beaten Elsborg at home. They've beaten Newgarden at home. They've beaten Hammerby at home. Uh, so Calmont are not an e- is not an easy place to go by any stretch of the imagination. And um, I think that they might actually look back on this as maybe a good point. It was interesting after the match, Henrik Riestrom came out and said he thinks Hacken will win or Svenskan. That's how praiseworthy he was really? about Hacken. Mm. Uh, after the game, he said he doesn't think that there's a better team that his, his side have, have played this season. And he has put his name, you know, he's put his... Um, He's put his prediction on the table and said that he thinks they will go on and win the league. He said that they can attack from different ways. They can score goals from all different areas. And he said that their um, their defence has improved massively and they're a lot more resilient. So I think it was, yeah, for me, that's quite big, big praise from Henry Reeves. I don't know if, I mean, that's not even mind games. Cause it's not, it's not like he said it before the game. Um, he's, but he said, if I have to think about, have we faced a better team? The answer is no. So um, there you go. That's that's Henrik Riedjohn's mm. prediction, um, and I think that yeah, like I say, I think I think Almar have been a good side this season. You know, if you look at the table, they uh, they're comfortably kind of um, sixth place now. Uh, you know, the media. You know, I, I predicted they'd have a decent season this year. I said that they will continue. I think the media predicted them in eighth. I think I did indeed predict them to finish sixth. Uh, I'm not saying that that's where they're going to finish, but I think I'm not. You know, that's where they were last season, um, and that's where I think they'll probably finish this season. So. I don't think it's um, too unexpected in terms of how they're doing. I think they're re- under Reeves they're a very solid side. Obviously, Netabai scored a goal, um, good finish from 20 yards, you know, just outside the box, you know, like a low finish. Um, and then, you know, hadn't got back into it. Tobias Sana, the former EF Core Jotobog man, he, he, he popped up with a goal. Um, and that could prove to be a vital point come the end of this season. Yeah, do you know I, I watched? I say I watched this game, and the first half I thought Kalmar were well, well worthy of their lead, and they might have even got a second goal. And I was thinking, you know, this is hecking uh, struggling a bit here. And then, like the first sort of five minutes, the second half, ten minutes, the second half, I just noticed they were all over Kalmar. I'm like, what on earth has happened here? And there was guys popping up on the field. I'm like, where have you come from? And I actually thought he must have made some substitutions here. I would, to be fair, I was more focusing on the IFK Gothenburg game, but there was no changes made. I think what happened was he just switched around a few players' positions. Like uh, Sadiq came up on the right wing, and he looked way more dangerous there. And he got the uh, the cross came in for Sana's finish. And you know, Hecken showed showed me something here. They showed me they got a backbone. They came from behind it, get themselves a point. And you know what? There was a period where they were in the ascendancy. I think till probably about the seventieth minute, and then then it got it came into like a free for all where it was end to end action. Both teams could have won it. There was some uh, goalkeepers got involved, some last ditch tackling, all sorts of things were going on. So it was I don't know how anyone who was betting on over two and a half goals for this game can feel very short change. It should have it should have gone over, but I thought it was a tremendous game, and I think there was a lot of positives for Hecken and and Kalmar. Just a couple of questions um, that we've got here. Uh, we've got Wasson, of course. Thank you very much for your question. Have Kalmar now proved themselves that they're a contender for the European spots? And there was also a question about Hacken, about are they now showing that they're wobbling a bit? So I don't know what your your opinion is on both there. Um, <clears throat> I don't think Hacken will get in the European spots. That's, um, you know, they're not Hacken. far off it. They're only four points off it. Oh, but I, just, I, I don't think, yeah, Kalmar, you asked me right? <laughs> 
Yeah, Kalmar for the European spots, yeah. Yeah, I don't think they'll get it. Um, the four points off it. I think that Hammerby, Jurgen, and, and Hacken have got the better and um, more firepower. Um, and there isn't any further. There aren't any other European spots, are there? I don't think. Top three. Yeah, top so, three. Yeah. Um, yeah, that from that point of view, I don't think so. They could go close, but I just don't think. I just don't think Hammerby have got good enough players overall. They have got a good squad, but I just don't think they have got enough difference makers in their in their team. Um, and that's part of the reason that I don't think they they won this game today. I just don't think they have that kind of ability to that you know they don't score that many goals only 25 goals you know we praise their defense but in terms of goals you know they they don't score a huge amount so that's probably going to be their downfall i think in terms of getting a european spot but they're they're, they're a very good team don't get me wrong uh reestrom's got them really well drilled i've praised them many times uh as mr wasson will know uh and they've also got the best mascot in the league in uh in uh and over peterson who's, on, who's my favorite probably follower on twitter <laughs> um but yeah, I don't think uh, they'll they'll get it, and I, th- I can't remember what the other question you asked me. Yeah, about. history of Russia. Um, his question is: Are Hecken wobbling, or have they been found out? Uh, I think I think neither. I mean, I think neither because preseason, I, I never thought Hecken would challenge for the title. I don't think many people did. So, have they been found out? I think that's a bit unfair because there was nothing to find out really. They're, they're, they're overachieving here. Um, let's not forget. And in terms of are they wobbling, maybe, but they're, they're you know they've had some they've had some pretty tough games. I think the only one that you could say they should have won was the was the Degerfors game. You know, how can haven't lost since July, um, and they've only lost two all season. You know, so they're really okay. They've had back to back draws, but before that, they won four straight. They're having a brilliant season, you know. And um, like I say, Kalmar's not an easy easy place to go. You know, they've they've won most other games this season. To be honest, they're not. I don't think they're really necessarily wobbling. Um, I'm massively impressed with Per Matthias Hogmo and, and and the work he's done at this football club to get them where they are. Uh, Reestrom's comments kind of have caught my, you know, raised my eyebrow a little bit. Um, to hear a fellow manager say that does sort of make me think, wow, could this be the year? Because don't forget, you know, we talked about the Spurs of of Sweden and Norway. You know, Hacken were formed in 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 1940, and they've never won a title in their history. This is a provincial side. I can't remember what podcast, what episode we had when we had their former sporting director on Steve. And when I interviewed him, that was many years ago. Now um, he's not he's not in that role anymore. But I remember when we had a podcast about it, and I spoke about the whole history of Hacken. And and you know, this is a team that's kind of come through the divisions. Then they're in a small club by by any comparison. They're, you could argue they're not even a, you could argue they're the fourth but fourth biggest club in 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 Gothenburg historically. You know, when you compare them with guys who were in the third tier. And um, you know, uh Orgri as well in second tier and struggling. You know, even compared them to EF Koyotoburg, a massive club there, they're, they're well above them now in the in the table in, in that sense. Um, you know, how can historically a, a small club have built themselves up with this with the Gothia Cup and some really smart decisions they've made as a, as, a, as a football organization. So, you know, when you say wobbling or being fine, they're found out this is not their level. This is this if they win the title, this is like Leicester, in my opinion winning the winning um the Premier League. It's not maybe as unexpected. I know the Premier League is not as you know, the Premier League is much harder to win compared to maybe Osvenskan. But this is like a massive, massive, massive thing if I can win this title. You know, it's huge. Um mm. like I say, it'll be the first time in their entire history. So we're potentially witnessing, you know, a, a once in a lifetime maybe great experience here for their fans. Um yes they are they you know they've had a few games recently where they've not been great. But even even in August, you know, two, two, three games ago, beating Varnamo 4-1. And Varnamo have had such a great season this year. If I happen to smash them in that way, um, I don't think they're wobbling. 
But in fairness to, to you know, um, history of Russia, history of Russia's question, the big game this weekend is going to determine a lot of things, in my opinion. Their, their next two of their next three games, they've got Hammerby at home and Yurgarden away. Now we will really learn about hacking in this next few weeks, and they've got a tough running, really tough running. So there's there's now we're going to start to learn what is this hacker made of really starting on Saturday uh, against Hammerby. I, I, you say, I think they can take a lot of positives from that second half. Kalmar's a really tough place to go. They've got the second best home record in the league. They're only conceding five goals at home. And in that second half, they heckin put Kalmar under a lot of pressure. I've not seen Kalmar wobble in a home match like that for a long time. They're usually very much in control of proceedings. But from 45 until like 70, I thought they absolutely battered them. Anyway, so we're going to stay um, with the Monday night game. There was a shock win. In Gothenburg, I've got Gothenburg against uh, Helsingborg. I couldn't believe what I was watching here. I think this is a heck of a uh, a turn up for the books, indeed, Jonathan. But a huge three points for Helsingborg. Yeah, massive win. Um, as you mentioned, no one expected it. We, you know, I called. Uh, I thought. I, I thought. Yeah, of course, win this if you listen to the uh, weekend preview show. Um, you tipped the overs as well, which came in, but the uh, the the EF Core to win was unsuccessful. EF Core have been in fantastic form, and maybe. Um, you know, maybe it just that form ran out in the end. Um, so, yeah, you know, obviously they've had some decent results. I know they've had some tough results before that, obviously losing at Kalmar and, and losing at home to Hammerby. But in, in general, you know, EFK have won five of their last seven games before this before this, um, before this this match. So you really got the sense that this would be just kind of almost a walkover for them. But it was not the case. Best I've seen Helsingborg play all season, without a doubt. Um, goal from Moussin. Uh, we designed Paul and William Lopel in the last minute. Gustav Norlin equalised in the 39th minute for EF Core. Um, Moussin's first goal was really good. I mean, Helsingborg were lightning on the counter-attack, looked really lively. I did say on the um, weekend preview show that Helsingborg have started to look quite good on the counter. Um, they've got, you know, players like Taha Ali and the pace that they can break with. Um, and they do, you know, Moussin has looked a good signing from AFC Eskustin. I, I like the look of this kid. Um, he got two against Varnamo the week before. And he's now popped up with another one here. Um, it's a good finisher, he looks. And uh, yeah, redesign Paul got in the end of it. There was a massive chance just before that. Uh, Taha Ali, I don't know how he's missed it, but Vaughan Har made an incredible save. And, you know, I was saying it was looking like Helsingborg could be in the lead here. And then seconds later, they took the lead. I was doing the commentary on Twitter. Um, second half, he, of course, changed things around. They tried to get back into it, but they, they just couldn't. Um, Helsingborg defended in numbers. They defended really, really well. They, they had a, took a few injuries as well. Thomas Rogner got a bit of an injury. Um, another player got injured, I think, as well. But they they held out. They they stood firm. And um, one of the sort of comedy breakaway goals, isn't it? Um, last minute, the keeper comes up for a header for a corner, made a complete mess of it. Basically, um, I think it was uh, I can't remember who now Abdullah High gave the ball away, trying to dribble past two players with when there's no keeper and <laughs> there's no 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 keeper in the the goal. Uh, they broke away, and um, William Loper, like Wilhelm Loper, like I say, just dribble it into an empty net to make it three-one. And the scenes from the Helsingborg fans were crazy. You know, they got good fans, and they showed their passion. They, they went mad, and yeah, it's just giving them a lifeline. This is a lifeline for them. I mean, you mentioned Varberg ARK. I'm sure you'll ask me about that in a minute. But that Varberg win against ARK could prove massive for them now because um, the gap is now seven points between Helsingborg in that relegation playoff and Varberg boys, which is, you know, safety. So that, that extra three points for Varberg, unexpectedly, is huge because if they'd have lost that game, it would have given Helsingborg a real lifeline. 
Um, seven points is still, I suppose, doable, but it's still a big ask to get out of that relegation spot. But that win does lift them out of the relegation automatic. Um, Degafors are now second bottom, and um, goal difference keeps Helsingborg just above water. So a massive win. But the the thing for Helsingborg is this is the best they've I've seen them play for a while, and it's, it's been building. You know, they were really unlucky last week against Varnamo with that last minute um, goal that, that lost them the game 3 2. Uh, the Mialbi game, I remember that match. They weren't that bad, actually. They weren't actually that bad. Um, and they lost to a late goal. They beat Gifson's far the week before that. So this is a good run for uh, Helsingborg and their new management duo. So um, I think this win will give them massive confidence. But obviously, their next game is the big derby. And that is against Malmo, the Scanner Derby. So. Huge game this weekend coming where they they'll want to continue that run this run. I, th- I think they'll beat Malmo. Um, that was a very impressive performance. That was not the performance of a side second bottom, and I've not where that on earth have they been hiding that because they were easily outclassing IFK today everywhere tactically. They wanted it more, you know, just every, everywhere on the. They could have had four or five goals. I thought the best player for Gothenburg was the goalkeeper. He made two incredible saves. Um, one of which was actually on the goal, in fairness. But, uh, yeah, if they play like that and they've got some tough fixtures, Helsingborg, they're going to have to keep playing well. But I think they're going to get the third um, playoff spot the um, down there at the bottom. I think there'll be uh, there'll be enough to, to go past uh, Degaforge there. But, I mean, well done to them. I've got to be honest. I, I was really, really impressed. And they've got some exciting um, attackers. And, um, you know, it's a shame for them that Varberg did win. I say they uh, a shock two 0 against uh, IE Core, and uh, they're just a thug of a team. I think Barberg and I saw Jonathan, but they just have this knack, don't they? Like they, the, the, the I think they're the hardest team to predict in the whole league, Barberg. But they always pop up with a win every now and then when you almost least expect it. Yeah, I mean, I said about um, you mentioned Helsingborg got some good players. I think Taha Ali, if he could, if he could get some end product, he, he could play in the Premier League. I mean, some of his dribbling and and his ability on the counter attack, his speed and his dribbling is is insane. He reminds me a little bit of Callum Hudson Odoi when Hudson Odoi was kind of coming through at Chelsea. You know, very wiry, um, you know, quite quite thin. I mean, you know, Hudson Odoi, one of the best young players I've seen for a long time. Obviously, got that Achilles Achilles. Um, you know, it blew his Achilles basically, and I think that's really hampered his career to date and not getting many chances at Chelsea. But Taha Ali's got a similar kind of wiry frame and just ability to beat men for fun. I remember being at that Chelsea Chelsea Malmo when Hudson Odoi just ripped Malmo to shreds some years ago now. And um, Taha Ali reminds me of him a little bit, but it's just end product is 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 often lacking. There was some chances here. I mean, he could have walked away with at least two goals, to be honest. Um, there was one other chance where just his final product should have squared it. Um, it could have been even more goals for Helsingborg. In terms of Varberg, yeah, this was a good game. I think we, we should really talk about it a little bit because... We don't talk about Varberg much, um, but it was a deserved win. You know, ARK offered not very much in forward areas, 2-0 win. Um, Varberg hit them with a set piece, Tramberg, and then, um, you know, almost immediately after that, got an, another one. Uh, I think the key in this game, Steve, was Johansson going off. When I was watching the first half, I was just thinking, Varberg, they've got nothing going forward. They're so, they're so poor up front. I mean, I do like... Don't get me wrong, I do think Simovic is a, is a decent play, holds the ball up well. He got an assist, and I, I do actually quite like him as someone who just holds the ball up, but they don't get enough bodies around him to help him at, at all, and I thought Johansson was terrible. He got into some decent situations and just blew it, very slow receiving. I mean, they had a couple of counter-attacks where he just literally took about five touches and let everyone get back before he made his decision. Um, but when he came off in the, I think, the 66th minute, and they brought on Bowman, 
Uh, I thought the, the complexion of the game changed a little bit. Um, Philip Seas got his goal. He looks quite a good player. And, and um, yeah, I, I thought that Vabe deserved it in the second. You know, when it was nil-nil at half-time, you expected maybe, yeah, okay, to pick it up in the second half and, and you know, go on from there and win the game. Um, but they couldn't do it. And they did barely created anything even in the second half. And um, Vabe kind of, you know, had a lot more of the ball and uh, cut them open. And so, yeah, I think that um, this is a massive win for Vibe. Like I say, we don't talk about them a huge amount. Um, I still think they're lacking forward areas, but they are kind of, you know, they do play that kind of 5-4-1, just kind of sit back and, you know, 4-5-1, sorry, sometimes they have so many bodies back. But I just think they they lack a bit in transition at times. I think, you know, going and getting numbers forward to attack, they're not very good at it. But they did offer that set-piece threat, and um, that's what, you know, got them the first goal, really. And, they, you know, the momentum from there is what carried them to the win. They're, they're, for me, they're the Stoke of Sweden. They are uh, um, a set piece FC. I mean, they've got a, a guy with long throws and he was hurling them into the box, Roy Delap style. And, you know, eventually, they, I think IE Core just gave away far too many set pieces in this game and they got got punished. But, uh, you know, Varberg, they did play quite well in, in this fixture. IE Core, there's certain teams in, in, in world football that I'm just, I could never trust them away from home. And IE Core always fall into that bracket for, for me. Like they, they're just not trustworthy on the road, and that's always been their Achilles' heel. Apart from that season, uh, they won the league, of course, in recent times. So um, I think that's that fundamentally is going to let them down again. We are going to move on. We're going to move on to Malmo. They've got a new manager and they've got a, a win under their belts. This season they lost against Braga in the Europa League, as we talked about, but uh, a victory at the weekend and a new manager. Yeah, and I think this could be, I mean, is this the turning point for Malmo? That'll be the question. Obviously, they played Noor Shopping. It's quite funny, actually. I know that Olga Herida is a, is a, a quite a famous manager in this region. He's uh, got the distinction of being someone who's won the title in, in, in almost, I think, every Scandinavian country. Am I right in saying he's won the league in Norway? He's won the league in Sweden with Malmo, of course, in 2014. I think he's won the league in, am I right in saying in Denmark? I uh, can't remember. I might have to double check that. But um, he's won the league in at least three different countries, I believe. Um, and let me just verify that so I'm not wrong. No, yes, he's won the league with Bromby. Yeah, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it was right. Um, so, um, and with Rosenborg, of course. And he, he left Rosenborg, didn't he, under a bit of a cloud? I remember discussing him last season and the whole uh, LGBT pride thing. Kind of left under a bit of a cloud. And I, you know, I don't know if that was ever resolved, but um, he's popped up at, at Malmo. Obviously, he's also managed internationally, hasn't he? He's managed Denmark and Norway. Uh, so hugely experienced manager, and after um, the terrible run, uh, a terrible run of form from Malmo under Andreas Georgsson, I think as an interim, I think they decided collectively it's time to get a new interim, and of course called up their old manager Olga Herdal. And after saying this game, Steve, it was quite funny witnessing it because um, they started off kind of, you know, Olga Herdal's face. He looked like <laughs> I don't know. He's got a very expressive face. I don't know. I can't can't really describe it. It's like. He's almost got a Simpsons character, sort of, sort of a peripheral Simpsons character face. You know, like I'm trying to think of a, a sort of character, but really expressive face. Where you know, the first sixty minutes he was tearing his hair out. He looked really sad. Chances that Malmo missed, he was like, he looked genuinely like he's about to cry or tear his hair out. Or, you know, getting really frustrated. He's got a very expressive face. But at the end of the match, he was he was had a massive smile on his face. He was really he looked really happy. He was waving at people in the stands. Um, and you know Malmo managed to turn the game around essentially. North Shopping took the lead early on. Jacob Ortmark with a with a nice goal, bit of a breakaway finish. 
But I think that um, the key here was just some really bad defending from North Shopping. I think Roy Keane, Steve, would probably describe it as sloppy uh, if you were describing the defending in this match because North Shopping's defending was all over the place. Um, Marco Lunt was the embodiment of this match in terms of defending. He, he had a terrible, terrible game, Steve. I commented on on Twitter. He gave away a penalty. I've never seen someone pull so many shirts. I mean, even even there was a tweet from Discovery. Uh, one of their analysts was saying he, he, he was wondering if Marco Lund bet on Mama to win the match because he was almost seems like he was trying desperate to give away a penalty. Um, he eventually did give away a penalty, um, pulling pulling a shirt back. I think it was Burgett, joining a Burgett. Definite penalty. Keith Tellin had the um, had the audacity to miss it. Uh, then Zidane got an equaliser, uh, and then uh, Lund made the te- for that. It was Lund made some terrible defending there. And then he made some terrible defending for the uh, Kisa Tellin's sec- uh, goal. Eventually, Kisa Tellin got his goal, 2-1, ball over the top, and he just kind of doesn't do anything. And it was a real shame because Oscar Janssen, who, you know, we, a couple of years ago, he was in our team of the season, wasn't he? You know, our Scandinavian team of the season for Scout. He, he had a magnificent game for North. I mean, he did everything he could to keep them out. But just really, really bad defending from Lund and others um, cost cost North shipping in this one. I think it wasn't helped by the fact that the balance of the side wasn't wasn't great. They, I don't think they got their forward players into it very well. I generally think with North shopping, their 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 forwards aren't amazing. You know, Christopher Neiman's got a good goal scoring record, but I think he lacks a bit in physicality. I think some of their other players like Trousterson, I just think they lack a bit of speed and a bit of uh, physicality. I think at times they can be quite easy to play against, play through, and I think that's what Malma did to them really. I think one of the other keys to this game, Steve, was um, Christensen got an injury and Zidane was actually dropped by Olga Herida for this match, which there was a lot of um, tw- comments and stuff before the game about why, why has Zidane been, Zidane been dropped. And um, of course, because of the early injury, he came on after, uh, I think, 27 minutes. And um, he was actually quite key to them getting back into the match. Zidane, I thought he had a good good second half um, and obviously got his goal. So. Yeah, all in all, a massive win, I think, just in terms of get, relieving the pressure for Malmo because they've been in really, really bad form for quite a long time now. And there was a lot of, there was a real big sense of relief at the end of the match when they, when they got the win here. I think North Shopping could have offered a little bit more, to be honest, um, just in terms of this final decision making and things like that. And, you know, they've got their new manager, you know, he was quite expressive on the sidelines as well himself. He, you know, I think Herido and him look like sort of two two uncles that were going at it at various points, pointing at each other and stuff like that. And kind of, um, you know, they both managers seem like not afraid to give their opinions and, and give their sort of expressive fa- facial expressions. But yeah, Norshawing just couldn't find a way to get their key men involved in the second half and uh, Malmo pick up a really important win. Yeah, I've actually just had a look at um, Kiza Telling's penalty record because Malmo have a history of missing penalties, don't they? And uh, for, I tell you what, for some reason, I don't know what's going around the whole of Europe recently. I've never seen so many penalties missed. It seems all the time there's some crucial spot kicks uh, going on. Why, why the goalkeepers are suddenly having a great time of it, I don't know. But Keys are telling actually has a really good record from the penalty spot. 15 penalties scored and only five missed. So you could say it's a bit of a rarity that he didn't um, get on the score sheet there. But he eventually did, of course, didn't he? Just a few, 10 minutes later. So, uh, I mean, a good win for Malmo. I mean... I've got to be honest, I don't see them even getting Europe, though, because I think they're in a brutal Europe. They've, they are facing some tough teams like Union Berlin and uh, Braga. That's going to really tire them out, I think. I, I don't see them getting in the top three myself, Jonathan. I don't know about yourself. Uh, I think they're up against it. They, they're going to have to go on a really good run. Mm. You know, they're still, set, still, still what, a fifth? 
Um, the, the the good thing for them is no one else no one else won this weekend above them. So you know they they have got themselves a little bit back into it, but I'm not convinced. And you know Agerhard is going to have to do a lot of work. They've got a lot of travelling with the European games, so it remains to be seen. But they, they've got a huge game this weekend against against uh, Helsinki. I think it's a big game for Malmo as well that derby. So it's going to be I think that's going to be a really good 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 game. Yeah. So anyway, just moving away from Sweden here for a bit, and um, there was a time in our early days of Nordic football podcasting where we were getting guests on and things. And we, you came very close then at that stage to securing a guest interview with the, the Ossersons manager who at the time was Graham Potter. And it was very close, wasn't it? We, we, you nearly um, got an interview with him and um, amazing to think now that this man, Graham Potter, former Ossersons manager, is on a 10 million pound a year contract at Chelsea. <laughs> We've discussed him, of course, in the past on, on this show. And I I think you could almost say, we almost, certainly you, you kind of saw this coming, Graham Potter at Chelsea. What a story. Yeah, we have to um, give a shout out. I think uh, as the news has been announced, obviously, about him moving from Brighton to Chelsea. Um yeah, like you said, I, I'm I'm kicking myself by that interview that never never was. Uh, he he replied to us. This is a, this is going to be like one of the Nordic football podcast annals. Yeah, we wrote to Graham Potter, uh, and out of the blue, he replied and said, "Yeah, I can do an interview. Uh, I can do a pod." Like, what was it? I think he said like tomorrow or something, didn't he? And yeah. I don't think we checked the emails for like. <laughs> I don't think we checked email, <laughs> did we? Till like the day after. I know. It, He's it, like, "I'm free tomorrow this time, this time," and and we never. I don't think we checked the email in time. And by the time we replied and said, yeah, when can we reschedule it? It was basically never to be done again. Who And, you know, that's probably something we're <laughs> going to kick ourselves and regret forever. But there is somewhere in our Nordic inbox an email from Graham Potter. So I think we need to frame that probably, Stephen. Graham, if you ever want to come on, Graham, you're most welcome to talk about your time football at Austin's and Brighton and Chelsea. We but, need yeah. to frame that and cherish it. But, um, yeah, it was always, I think, you know, he was destined for a big job. I think that, you know, we've been doing this podcast for a long time and he's one of the most impressive managers that, that there's been. I think it's going to be really interesting that he's getting such a... I think this will be the first time he's got a job with like a huge amount of pressure. Mm. You know, if you actually look at it, because Ostersons, there was never really expectations. Um, even when he even when he was doing so well, there was never like there was never like a club. I don't... I, don't, I know that he, if he had left, then obviously some of the... I'm sure one of the big clubs would have approached him. But there was never even a time, was there really, where it was like, oh, Malmo or you know, Jurgen or Hacken or someone is going to go after him to, to kind of AIK when really it looked like it should have been quite obvious um, from very early on. I mean, he won the Swedish Cup before they even, uh, the year I think they got promoted. So this is a manager who did unbelievable things in, in Sweden, really, when you think about it, building them from the fourth tier. You know, now they're looking like going back-to-back relegations, Ostersunds. You know, then they're, they're close to the bottom of Superettan. Um, and it shows you how badly they've fallen since, since he left. I think one thing to say, I think it'll be, I think he will be fine under kind of. The, there was a lot of talk about can he deal with maybe the, you know, the owners and that. You know, they've got that clear late capital, haven't they? And that massive investment group that's behind Chelsea now. Um, I think he will be able to handle that because obviously anyone in Sweden will know that he he worked under Daniel Schimberg, who controversial figure he is, and 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 a very demanding man according to people who know him and who've been on this podcast talking about him. So I think he is he'll be used to managing under sort of owners with a big ambition. Um, Osterson's ambition was like to win the Norse wasn't it? Even when they were in the third tier. So 
they've all I think he'll be used to working under sort of like a, a really ambitious football club but it's just the expectations from fans I think will be you know Brighton I always remember when there was that quirky he didn't like it when do you remember that time when Brighton fans booed the team it was against Leeds yeah and he came they out battered, and said, they absolutely battered us as well it was nil yeah. nil they booed him off and he said like you know people need to realize that this is Brighton didn't he I think he had a bit of a spiky <laughs> comment there and said you know yeah. you need to realize what you're watching um so it'll be interesting to see what, how he reacts to that side of it. But uh, a brilliant manager, someone who's got, you know, I'm sure there'll be so much written about him in the next few weeks. But, you know, if you, you can even go back to us talking about him in 2017 and 2018 and that one, you know, said it then and say it now. But full of ideas. He's, he's a bright mind, really good at working with players. He, he's really deep on psychology, human interaction, human relations, someone who will really empathise with players. And I'm really fascinated to see how that adapts to, to sort of the demands that are a massive club will he get the time i think chelsea fans if they're listening to this the one thing i'd say i think they I think he'll have a huge emphasis on their academy i think chelsea could be completely different philosophy and team if they let him get enough time to, to build his his club i think he'll really start i think he could really make use of that academy because you know chelsea have been the past 10 years chelsea have had the best academy in england really in terms of success and 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 track record i think he'll sort of lean on that and really try and integrate some of those players early but of course the demands are to win so I think that'll be the really interesting part of it. How does he how does he balance that? But I think he really will try and build through the academy and, and he they've always been really bright in ideas. You know, they've got Kyle McCauley, I think it is as well, the recruitment guy who's come with, with him all the way from Ostersund. He's brought a lot of his team all the way through with him. Um so him doing the recruitment there means that maybe maybe Chelsea will start signing, you know, unknown players and things like that. So yeah, good good luck to him. And um it just shows you that I, I like I said on Twitter today, I hope that more British managers think about maybe coming out to, to Sweden or, or, or Norway and, and coaching because you, there are some opportunities out here, probably a bit harder now with Brexit. But, um, you know, look at the way his career has gone since then, since taking that thinking outside the box and uh, taking a risk. Saw someone on Twitter say it's almost like a football manager career from, from Leeds Carnegie to Ostersund to Swansea to Brighton and, and then to Chelsea. I guess my final question, we know three years is a long time in football. On the 13th of September, 2025, is he still in charge at Chelsea? I think that's just not, that's an unfair question. I can't, I can't, <laughs> I'm not going to answer that. <laughs> because I would, I, I would say no. I know the history of that club. And they I'm going to ask you, will the planet, will the planet still be going in 2025? That is a very, that's actually a very good question. <laughs> that is another very good Let's question. Let's start there. Before we worry I, about I, my concern is that I know what Chelsea are like as a football club. And um, I, have, I could certainly see him winning something there. But even if you win things, it doesn't mean you keep your job for that long at Chelsea, does it? So it's a really intriguing one. And um, but the thing I, is, that won't reflect Graham Potter, just like it doesn't reflect on. No, it doesn't. No, exactly. No, it doesn't really. It won't. No, it won't be a, a sight on, on, on Potter or anything like that. But it's just a uh, thing. It's interesting. You know, it could, are Chelsea going to finally get a, a, a really long-term manager or not? I think I guess is what I, I was thinking. Yeah, if know. you look at the the current owners and what they've done with Tuchel, then you, you'd say no. But um, mm. I think the more pertinent question is, can he succeed at Chelsea? And I think the answer is yes. I think he's got everything in his locker to, to he'll be win really top I think manager. he'll win things there, yeah. I think he will, yeah. So, well, okay. Well, I think that might have to do for this week's section because we're a bit low on time. Degafors might have to wait for another week. Um, but yes, uh, intriguing stuff as always, Jonathan. And... Uh, We've still got another section to go. We're going to talk about some Norwegian um, aspects after the break. So stay with us. Catch you very soon.
Welcome to part two of this latest episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. My name is Jonathan Faduba and I'm joined as always by Steve Wiss for part two. Uh, you mentioned before we took a break that we're going to, you know, you're not going to be able to fit in Degafor, Steve, but I'm actually going to fit them in now. So I'm lucky about that because I'm just going to say <laughs> worst red card I think I've, I think I've probably ever seen in Osvenskan. Um, some refereeing decisions have been pretty poor. I mean, I don't know if you had any poor refereeing decisions in Norway this week, Steve, but... Uh, just wonder how you feel about that because I have, I've seen at football in DK talking a little bit about VAR in Denmark as well. So I just wondered, has there been anything in Do Norway? You know what? Crazy I, I am not going to criticise referees anymore. If it means, I'd rather have bad referees than VAR. I would. I, I will accept mistakes from referees as long as we don't get that monstrosity of VAR. The the Juventus thing on on Sunday uh, for me that's a final straw. <laughs> like. Anyone who saw the end to that game is like, that's it. Get get rid of this monstrosity. And I, I would seriously, I, I, I'll, I'll accept mistakes. The best thing about VAR, no VAR, you can celebrate a goal straight up. Well, or you know within like five or ten seconds if it's going to be disallowed. You know, I'm sick of that system now. So I, you know what? I'm, I'm not. You're not going to hear me criticize referees much now. If they get a decision wrong, they get a decision wrong. This this way of life. This is coming from a man that if you were to go back to our archives and listen to our VAR debates about two years ago, staunchly pro-VAR against my anti-VAR, staunchly defending it when I was saying that it would kill celebrating. I might even go and get the clip somehow. You, you nailed that part. But I mean, look, at the end of the day, I'm, of course, we want to try and get the best officials we can in the world, but we've got to accept we're all human and mistakes can be made. So that's life, isn't it? But the... Vi- Look, I'd rather get you know a referee make a mistake and it's uh, you know an instant decision, rather than hang around for like five or six minutes on VAR for someone being offside by a toenail. Well, the thing so, is that you don't, as I've always said, VAR doesn't actually solve anything. It just moves the decision making from, it just moves human error from referees on the pitch to referees yeah. off the pitch. That's the only mm. thing it does. It doesn't actually solve human error. So. Yeah, but yeah, if you if you get a chance to see the um, Degafors uh, Mialbi game, I mean, the, the second yellow card for Noah Isler of Mialbi is un- unbelievable. He basically gets sent off for uh, he basically gets a second yellow card for telling telling someone to get up. Um, I mean, he doesn't even touch him, so yeah, craziness. But I also saw Denmark bit of VAR controversy. But the good thing is maybe in our league, Steve, we still currently don't have VAR. Although I will be honest, coming, there, are, there are times in, in Sweden where I do think sometimes that some of these offsides could be could be sold by VAR but like you say the the sort of you know waiting around the stuff is is um you know give and take and that money could be better invested in my opinion on 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 training the referees a little bit more but anyway let's 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 get cracking into this Norway section and see if there were any controversies but the first place to start really is that massive derby now massive credit to Tromso on their Twitter account because they put up a video which I thought was phenomenal um yesterday on their twitter account of the derby and it was simply titled north norway is red and white if you get a chance go on tromzo's twitter account have a little look at the video they made uh really captures the atmosphere of the derby in a little one minute clip but uh steve this was the derby of the north you did talk about it on last week's show and say it's going to be a big game and it turned out it did fulfill its billing didn't it tell us all about it Tromso 3, Budigam 2, and this didn't surprise me. I actually said on the Patreon show, didn't I, that I expected Tromso to to get at least a draw out of this game. 
and they performed. They played really well here. I've got to be honest, they, they were just too much for Budaglim. A Budaglim side who definitely, I think, were a little bit fatigued after three days, uh, you know, over there in PSV in the in Europa League. And it wasn't that Glimt uh, played that bad, but the Tromso were completely at it. The first goal was scored by Lasse Nordas, who is actually on loan from Budaglimt. I mean, for me, that's an, here we go again. We had this discussion, didn't we, a few weeks ago about the guy uh, on loan, uh, Varnamo from IECOR. It's an absolute nonsense. I mean, I, I cannot believe that Glimt let this guy go on loan to Tromsø. Why on earth you would send them there anyway? I don't know. Why would you send someone to your bitterest rivals? Probably because geographically it makes sense, I suppose. But how on earth are they letting him play against them? Like, there's got to be something written in the contracts. Or, and if you can't write something in the contract, have a gentleman's agreement, otherwise you don't get the player. But their own player scored the first goal against them. So, I mean, I'll be honest, Nordas, when I've seen him, he, he, he can't finish. It's like Tromsø have this thing about the number nines. They just can't get a reliable number nine uh, striker. But and, and Nordas is like the first goal he scored, and he actually took it quite well. So that got him up and running nicely, but they deserve the lead. Maybe and they so- loaned him on purpose if he can't, if he can't finish. Maybe. Maybe that was the thinking. Yeah, he celebrated his goal as well. I couldn't believe that. I mean, I mean, this is a discussion for a, a later date, isn't it? But, um, you know, I, I, the irony behind it. To be I fair, think, it was subdued celebrate. He didn't go mad. Like, he didn't oh, go I'm mad, man, but he celebrated enough, didn't he? Mm. I mean, you wouldn't get me. Look, if you check out Andy Delors' celebration for Nice against the Jats at the weekend, he scored an overhead kick, and you'd think it was in a, in a mausoleum. Mausoleum. Because... Um, but anyway, yeah, got the lead. And then August Mickelson scored a fantastic second goal free kick. Uh, for me, unsavable for me. Um, a beautiful free kick. And Mickelson was the key man in this match. In the first half, he, he ran the show. And he actually actually came off injured at the, the, the break. But he still got the three bonus points on fantasy, deservedly so. He was he was the man of the match for me, even though he only played one half. And then Catalano got a third goal for Tromso. It was a bit of a nothing second half in a way, really. Um, Tromso generally managed their, their league quite well. And then Glimp got two late goals. And having backed Tromso on the handicap, I was thinking, you know, this, this don't do me a ham cam again like last week. Um, I think if, if, if Tromso had lost this match, I think I'd have resigned from betting. I really would. But um, thankfully, it was only like two or three minutes were added on. But um, it was probably... A bit of a flattering score on Glimt in the end. They probably deserved a goal, but uh, Tromso just gave it absolutely everything. First time they've beaten Glimt, their bitter rivals in, I think, seven attempts. And um, I've got to tip my hat to, to Tromso. They really started to, but for a lot of the season, they were struggling. But they've they've really started to get some good results recently, up to 30 points now and seventh place. So uh, they're going to be absolutely fine this year. Yeah, and even uh, I mean I don't know how many Kitalanas there are in in Norway, Steve, but they seem to be everywhere. Uh, but even if Kitalanas' goal was was quite a nice quality strike, um, Steve, I did see one comment on Twitter which was uh, was about um, Kitsil Knutsen's team selection and maybe his tendency to stick with the same same eleven. Mm. Now I want to, you can address that later, but I want to ask you about Kitsil Knutsen now because he's been strongly linked with a Brighton job. Um, obviously vacated by Graham Potter and a lot of people on Twitter have said he should be the man they go for. And I think he's the, he was at least as of a couple of days ago, the bookmaker's favorite. I don't know if that's since changed, but, um, but you know, off air, I said to you, Steve, let's 
dig into the archives and find a our clips about what you said about Knutson because I can't remember what episode it was, but you 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 gave a really good sort of an uh, we we spoke about him in some detail. I, I remember the episode we talked about like the New York Times article, didn't we? And it, all the sort of few around him, but I haven't been able to find it. <laughs> I was still looking. Um, so for those Brighton fans who might be listening in, uh, wanting to know a bit of Kieran Knutson, I'm sure you've I know you've said this many times anyway, but I just want to ask you what kind of manager is he and have you read anything about the Brighton rumours and wh- where are we on that at this moment in time? Has it been talked about at all in Norway? Yeah, I mean the whole last year and year and a half have been talks with uh, Chet Knutson linked with, with a move away and uh, and rightly so. He's been fantastic for them and uh, you know what sort of style would he, would he bring to say Brighton? I think he would bring um, quite a, a positive style of football to the club. He's certainly not a defensive manager, but he's adapted over the years from what I would call sort of this counter-attacking system, counter-attacking high-press system to a more possession-based um, plan if needed. Just watch them against um, PSV as well against uh, on Thursday. Actually proved Knutson that he can set up a team defensively as well. It was the first time I've really noticed it, to be honest with you, Jonathan, but he, um, it, was, it was a really good game plan he had to to restrict PSV at times, something you don't always associate with the Buda glimpse side. So I think he's, he's actually improving as a manager, you know, as the, as the years go by. So this is someone that's developed and up, well, him and his coaching team have um, improved players that have come to the club, whether they be uh, young signings or coming through their own, own, own academy. So he's not afraid of doing stuff like that. And to be honest, I actually think he would be quite a good fit at Brighton. And I do know he's one of the favourites for the job along. I think the guy from Sassuolo was the favourite last time. Is it Deserbi or someone like that? They, they, I've seen them play. They look quite a good side as well. And um, yeah, I say Tissel Knutson, he's, um, he's a very, very good manager. And um, as I think it would be, be a great addition to the Premier League if Brighton were willing to take the gamble and, um, and go for it. Because I think it always would be a gamble because... Uh, yeah, but to bring in a foreign foreign manager who'd never managed in the Premier League before, but uh, I think in terms be... of achievements, like what's he? I mean, just re- I know one. most listeners will already know this, but what's the achievement in the last two years? And obviously, maybe the you know the hundred point mm. season, the yeah. nearly went unbeaten, didn't he, for a season? Like, just just recap a little bit of that as well. well what he achieved first and foremost was a, a very unexpected second place with very limited resources, and then won the league. I think only had one defeat. And uh, with God knows how many points, uh, was it eighty something points and over a hundred goals? So eighty one points, eighty one yeah. points, one hundred and three goals in a thirty mm. game season. I mean, yeah, records one, were one defeat. And then last year retained the title in difficult circumstances when they had, you know, had to accommodate Europe and all sorts of extra stuff. So yeah, that was uh, you know strong enough. And then a fantastic run in Europe, of course, to the quarterfinals of the Europa Conference League. Beat had some sensational wins along the way. Hammered Jose Mourinho's Roma 6-1 and also beat them at home in the knockouts before eventually Mourinho got his revenge in Rome. But um, they've caught the eye on the European stage several times. And, you know, you've you got to say he's done it really with certainly, you know, it's been a good squad, a squad that he's developed himself. But it's not been an all-star lineup. You know, he's got the absolute most out of pretty much every player. And I think that's all you can ask of in a manager sometimes. Yeah, and on top of that, he's been pretty good at uh, development of players and, and selling them off for a profit, hasn't he? Which is kind of mm. the Brighton model in a way. I mean, Definitely. just tell us about some of the players that he's developed as well that have gone on. I know Patrick Berg's return, but he's just one example, isn't he? Give us a few more others. 
Jens Petter Hager, uh, Eric Bottheim. I'm just looking through. Uh, Victor Boniface, even this season, uh, of course, moved on. But and they, they unfortunately they lost a couple of players for freeze as well. But um, you know, it's it's one of those where Hulk and Evian as well, of course, brings to mind. So they they have sold players for quite a big profit um, in the last couple of years. And yeah, I suppose that is part of the Brighton model, isn't it? Up, get your player in, coach up, coach them higher, and then sell them on for a profit. So I think he'd be an interesting fit there. And I do wonder. You know, I, I I think at the end of the season, maybe Knutson might be just look at his future and think, you know, if 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 certain jobs are still available, maybe he he might want to want to move on. But I, look, he's very committed to Brudigant. We thought he was going to leave last winter, and it didn't happen. And I I think you want to. Well, let's just see how they get on this European campaign. I think he's really keen to to see it through. But sometimes certain offers are just irresistible, right? There you go. Good answer. I hope that clears anything up for Brighton fans. You can tweet us at NordicFootPod if you want to give your reaction or any um, questions for the podcast. As always, we will get as many as we can on the show. But yeah, um, defeat for Gump. Uh, and they now will go to Europe like we've discussed in part one and see where they can go. At this moment in time, Steve, we've still got Mould at the top of the league. I know we discussed them in a lot of detail last week. So if you haven't listened to that discussion, go back last week's show and have a little listen. Norway was part one of last week's show, I think, and we talked in detail about Mulder. There's still 10 points clear at this moment in time now with eight games to go. Um, but we're going to move on to... Well, just actually, just on, Mulder, revival. just on Mulder before, very briefly. They did have a wild game at the weekend. They beat year 4-2. They were 2-0 up against them. And they were kind of sleepwalking the match, really. Incredibly, Jerv actually came back and <laughs> got to 2 all, which would have been an incredible shock. And then... Who came on off the bench to score two goals in injury time was my man, David Datro Fafana. <laughs> <laughs> and he actually, there's two goals, managed to get me winning a bet on the Molder handicap. So Fafana is now very much in my good books. I even tweeted something out to go as far as say I might even apologise to him for ever doubting him. But maybe we're not quite at that level yet, but there's no doubt. He certainly made an impact from the bench and um, got them the win, which uh, puts them keeps them 10 clear. So good. David Dacho Fafana, so good. They named him in our 10 to watch twice. <laughs> um, and by the way, on, on the subject of 10 to watch, uh, Michael Baidu in Sweden is one of my 10 to watch, and he's done incredibly well in recent weeks for Elsborg. So uh, I forgot to mention that in part one, but my 10 to watch is looking very tasty. And uh, Fafana... In your tent to watch two seasons running, can't believe he's done it. But he got you out of a got you out of a pickle there. So maybe you do, ho- maybe you me... do want to apologise to him. You know, this is your chance. Do you know what he got me out of a hole so much? If he keeps doing that, he's going to be in my tent to watch for three straight seasons. So no, that's not allowed. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, let's move on. You've already broken all pod protocols and rules. Um, you know what? We did have a few customers from last week, but I think we're going to have to leave them now. Um, Reed Tromzo, actually, I'm going to ask you the question he asked at Reed Tromzo um, from the 5th of September. He asked it just as we finished recording last week's show. He said, what are your thoughts on Patrick Berg and Marius Lauder returning to Glimpse, which we'll, we'll brush over. But he says, what do you think has been key to August Mickelson's return to form lately? A fantastic player to watch in his day. And obviously, you just mentioned there Mickelson in that Tromzo analysis. Um, he's, he's been looking quite good, hasn't he, Steve? 
just briefly on him. Yeah, I mean, he he, t- he famously turned down Glimt in the summer transfer window. Said he, w- he said it would have been disrespectful to leave Tromso at that time. He's by far their best player. He won't be there next season. He's too good for them. And um, I, do you know what the key's been? And it's a shame now because he, he he looks like he's got injured. Uh, I don't know how seriously. I was going to say the key is he stayed fit. I think he's always had some niggling injury problems. But this season, especially from middle of the summer, he's managed to string together a lot of games. In fact, usually he's subbed off in every game. But he's, he's, he's even had some matches where he's done the full 90 minutes quite a lot. And I think that's a testament to him. So I do hope this recent injury that he picked up at half-time against them isn't too bad. I don't think it's shockingly bad. Might maybe miss one week and then it's the international break. So I think staying fit, he's got older, he's physically grown. So I think physically has been one of the big reasons why he's, his form's improved. Yeah, August Mickelson, 21 years old, so he's still got a, a bright future ahead of him. And David Dutrafana, 19 years old, the most... Uh... The most topsy turvy relationship since I think Carl, Carl and Susan on on neighbours between Meatman Soccer and Dacho Fofana. One one week he's slamming him, one week he's praising him. I've never never known anything like it. Um, but let, let's move on. Uh, Christensen's revival. Do you know what I was in a a space, a Twitter space with Andy Martin on? Uh, we're talking about Elite Serian Fantasy last week, and uh, Andy Martin actually said he he thinks that Christensen might survive. Now. I didn't so much. I didn't laugh at him or anything. That <laughs> suggestion. Um, it, you know, very, that, very noble of you. At that stage, <laughs> it was, no. You. Honestly, that, uh, thirteen points on the board the other that stage, and um, I, I, to be honest, I, I thought that was a bit far fetched from from Andy at that stage. I mean, I, I just like he was. He sounded so confident about it as well. Like, but do you know what? I think Andy Andy might actually be onto something. So this is like a second apology here. Um, in uh, on, on the podcast, what's going on? But um, do, do you know what they've, they've played really well recently, Christiansen? Um, ten points from the last four games. It was a fantastic game against Volarenga. Both teams really went for it. Had a proper go. It was proper football. This really enjoyed this one, match, and they, you know, they were rewarded for a late winner, and they went absolutely wild. The management team, the, the fans. It was like a mini invasion at the end, and they're up to sixteen points. They're only six behind Sanderfield. There's always a team that just completely plummets down the table. Like they, they don't win any of their last like seven or eight games. And it's always possible. And it's just identifying who it could be. And I think there's three candidates at this point in time. Sanderfjord, Hamcam and Olsen are probably the three. And Sanderfjord especially do concern me. And you know what? I actually, I'm actually, for the first time, I'm actually thinking Christiansen might survive. Like you couldn't, for me, feasibly think they were going to beat Volarenga. You couldn't. The Volarenga wouldn't eight of the last nine games. But for them to get a bonus three points there, it's a bit like sort of Varberg beating IE Core at the weekend in Sweden. Maybe even a bigger shock than that. But now that they won a sort of a game that they weren't expected to win, it's given them a chance. And um, if Sanderfjord just keep not picking up points and Christiansen sort of get a few more wins before the end of the season. You, I could see them getting that that 14th place, which is the playoff spot, of course. Ham Cam have had a couple of defeats. Arlison have only had like one win in 10. So, yeah. You know, I say Andy Martin might well be onto something there that Christiansen might survive. Do you know what? I, I've been looking at the, um, just the last few weeks as well. And I, you know, I realised that in the last three rounds, Steve, only two teams have kept a clean sheet. There's been no... There's been two clean sheets in basically... Every, yeah, every what, match has been over 2.5 goals, right, as well. 
That's that's twenty four games of football and two clean sheets. Yeah, unbelievable. This is it's staggering, isn't it? It's like, I mean, underbackers are, are struggling in in Norway right now, and you don't want to be backing both teams to score, no, do you? <laughs> Incredible stuff. But I mean, my boy is Christian. So what what's behind this revival? Uh, you know, mm. it's not longer. They're one point. Like I can't. They've got sixteen points. There's they're off the bottom. Yeah, there's no doubt about it for me. What is going on? The the ladder nine points in the last, they've got ten points in the last four games. Faris Mumbanya, who was on loan somewhere, where I can't remember exactly where, but he came back at the end of July. And he was on the bench three times in a row, and then he started the last four games and he scored something like four goals, and I think he's had three assists. This lad, he's he's given him a presence up front, and he, he got a goal in this game against Volarenga. And um I think they just lacked that focal point all year. I mean Moses Moore got injured very early on in the campaign, done for the season. Of course, I don't think they've ever really been the same since they, they lost Pellegrino. And it just he gives them that physical uh, focal point, but he's also quite technically good and he doesn't lack for pace. So I think that's really helped them. And, you know, just a little bit of rubber the green. Like they've scored goals at the right times in games and they haven't quite conceded them either um, at an inopportune moment. So uh, a few things sort of coming together, but now I'm suddenly looking at their fixtures, whereas before I was thinking, oh, they've got no chance there. I'm thinking, hey, they might get something there. And, you know, it's realistic. If they play like that, they can beat anyone, by the way. Roller Renger in a fantastic form. So I think they're not dead. You know, first time I've ever ever said it or thought it, but Christiansund Ball Club could still survive. It's amazing. I think I, I thought you described them as done, um, <laughs> done and dusted. I thought it was. A they few were weeks done. Ago. But, but no, I think that was the title race. Actually, you said. But yeah. uh, what what we have to get in a listener question as well before we move on. I mean, that's yeah, my boys. They might do it. This is this might be the story of the se- of any season. To be honest, I mean that is incredible. They had one point after after what tw- tw- I think twelve games. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, like, like I said, I mean, uh, you know, when we when Andy was talking about this on the spaces, they had 13 points. To me, when you're nine points adrift with only eight, what, nine games left, that's just too much. But when you think about it, if you if you start winning games that you're not expected to win and there's someone above you who just free falls, funny things can happen, can't they, in football? So, and let's yeah. be honest, their, their actual metrics, their XG metrics and stuff, expected points, is more sort of bottom end of mid-table, as you pointed out last week. Yeah, exactly. So they're not actually doing, you know, maybe this is the season sort of uh, evening itself out a little bit in terms of their, their you know, the XGs. It's kind of... Um, I'm kind of excited. But let, let's move on. Yeah, I know you're excited. Let's, I'm let's excited that they, they, if they come, if they pull this off, by the way, this is the, this is the one of the greatest ever escapes I've ever witnessed in football. Well, it could, could happen. I mean, um, <laughs> just going to read out one tweet from one of our most loyal f- supporters, uh, Charlotte Patterson at Kirby Hazard. She says, I'm certainly excited for Meat Man Soccer to dissect this emphatic performance by Tromso against Glimt, uh, which you've just discussed as well. So, you know, well done. And thanks a lot for your question there, Charlotte, or your comment there, Charlotte. It's always nice to hear from our, our listeners. Um, I hope Steve has given a good, suitable analysis of that match and Christensen's potential to get out of it. The next game is Strom's Godset away, Christensen. And then they play at home against Rosenborg. So two, two massive games coming up. Uh, let, let's move on. Uh, before we wrap up the show, um, well, we talked about Europe, but we've got to talk about Brand, haven't we, as well? Yeah. And 
actually, I might as well continue this theme of apologies, actually, because this is like public announcement week. <laughs> so, who else, who else have you got to apologise to? They're coming threes, Jonathan. That is this is it. Um, <laughs> anyway, so I'm just trying to find my tweet, but earlier today. I looked at the game in the OBOS. It was Bran against Groward, and Bran only need to win the game and they win the OBOS. They're already promoted. And I couldn't believe the odds for this game. The handicap on Bran, it was nearly minus four Asian handicap. And the goal line was 4.75, nearly five. I've never in my, I don't think I've ever seen such a massive goal line and a handicap in a league match anywhere in the world. Um, I'm sure they've existed before, someone like the Maldives or whatever, but. Um, I, it was it was staggering, and I, I'm like, it's not right. And the value for me had to be with with Growood. And uh, I kind of doubted Bran a bit that you know they just kind of just want to get the job done, and then it might not really be up for it. It's, in the end, you get you must surely get bored of beating teams every week all the time. So big, but how wrong was I? They were six nil up at half time, <laughs> six nil. And like I couldn't believe it, and they only had it. I mean, they won seven nil in the end, and what a way for them to to win the Obos League A. And um, I think their fans are very excited about what's been going on there this season. They, they could go, they could be the Invincibles, the brand Invincibles. Got six games left to keep their their focus and avoid defeat. But they, they they're getting like record points tallies, record goals probably. Won twenty one out of twenty four games. Huge congratulations to Bran. They've absolutely smashed it. And um, I think already we were all kind of looking forward to them coming back into the elitist area where they rightly belong and um, and how well they can do. But uh, I dared doubt them tonight. Well, not doubt them, but I thought they might not be quite as good as, 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 the, as the odds would suggest. And they uh, completely proved me wrong. Massive congratulations to Bran and also massive congratulations to Vigard Bjorget. I don't know if I pronounced that correctly, but he is currently top of our Nordic football podcast, Elite Serie and Fantasy League. I know you uh, talked about your Twitter space with uh, Andy Martin, a massive FPL uh, fantasy player in general. Hopefully we'll get him on the show in the coming weeks. But um, Vigard is top of the table with 1,490 points. Second place, Ronnie Ruff, East Acton All-Stars, 1,470. So the title race there is looking exciting. Um, and I think that pretty much wraps yeah. it up. I mean, I'm just going to read the results from the weekend just gone because we haven't talked about every team in Norway. Uh, far from it, but I'm just going to read some of the results. Uh, so you're up to date. Sandyfield 1, Odd 3. Lillestrom 2, Stromskodset 1. Arlesen 1, Sarsborg 3. Yerv 2, Molder 4, which we talked about. Hamcam, shout out to Tom Dent 1. Viking 2, defeat for Hamcam. Christensen, that massive win against Wallerenga 3-2. Uh, the quote-unquote Spurs of Norway, according to Meatman Soccer. Tromso 3, Glimp 2 in the derby. Big North and derby. Brilliant game, that. And Haugerson 2, Rosenborg 1. Steve, what, just, just briefly on, on Rosenborg, what's what's gone on there? That's a massive defeat, isn't it? And uh, also my man Bruno Leite is back. Yeah, actually, I, I briefly got to talk about the odd game because a lad called Dennis Jengar, um, in his first ever league start, according to my database anyway, scored two goals, 18-year-old, scored two goals on his debut. And um, I know a few people were adding, he's, he's listed as a defender in fantasy at 3.9 million. And he actually played right wing. So he took his goals really well, I must say. Dead impressed with that young young man. And uh, as for Rosenborg, yeah, the last two away games have been disappointing. Losing at Tromso and Hargerson, which are two places which 
they're not easy to go. But if you're really serious about sort of title challenging and medal challenging, you've probably got to go there and get yourself, I don't know, four points or, or at least two. So disappointing for reasonable, but they've got their squad is decimated at injuries. It's not big enough anyway. They have got to really work on improving the depth of their squad over this winter. Otherwise, I don't think they're going to, you know, improve that much because it's a lot of pressure on on the certain guys who are fit. So, uh, but well done to Hargerson. They they found some form recently. And Leiter, I saw him on the when I saw him uh, come back and when I saw him on the bench uh, for this game, I thought of you, Jonathan. I do love that. Come, welcome back, Bruno. That's one of the few Haugerson games I think I've watched in the five years of uh, this podcast, and he tore it up, and I, I liked him ever since. But uh, yeah, there, there you go. I think that that pretty much wraps it up uh, for this week. Tune in next week, or tune in obviously on Patreon.com/slash Nordic Football Podcast if you want to support us. Um, we do analysis and also weekend previews, um, also betting predictions. We're at fifty nine point seven percent success rate this season in terms of predictions from sixty seven tips. So if you do fancy that side of the game, then and you're eighteen or uh, over eighteen, obviously, uh, and gamble responsibly, then um, then please do join us on that if you want to support us. Uh, Steve, this is the uh, end of the Meat Man apology round. Uh, I think that's probably the, even the name of the show. But um, yeah, we'll be back. Uh, some massive games, as I mentioned, Hack and Hammerby this weekend is is a, is a huge one in 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 Sweden. Um, and there's other big games, of course, in in uh, in in Norway, including Molde Allison. In terms of the title, obviously, maybe it's done for them, but still need to keep a few wins to get to, to get over the line. Um, Steve, just quickly, odd Hamcam. I mean, are you worried a little bit? Just in a couple of sentences, are you worried about Hamcam a little bit? They seem to be just sliding down the table a little bit now. They're in thirteenth, uh, one point above the relegation playoff. As I said, there's three teams I'm worried about. Mm. Getting in trouble, and that is, and Hamcam are one of them three, along with Sanderfjord and, and Arlison. Yeah, do you think this? Do you think this odd game is, you know, is a sort of must win for Hamcam? Nah, it's not, not much win, but they need to look. They 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 suffered that heartbreak against Sarpsborg, which has completely turned around Sarpsborg's form. By the way, they're they're confident again, and um, yeah, I got yes to briefly answer. I'm worried about them three teams because I think those are the three that could you know, get themselves, you know, in, in the mixer for the playoff spot or even be in the sights of Christiansen. Yeah, and just at the top as well, there's a lot to be decided. I mean, Klimt are, Klimt are currently third and they're now three points behind Lillestrøm uh, and one point above Rosenborg. They, they could even fall out of the medal places in European football. So mm. they need to sort of buck up their ideas a little bit as well. They've got a game, uh, as we mentioned just now, um, this weekend against Algerson uh, at home. But of course, they've got Europe before that. So... That'll be all. So there's a lot to, you know, this last eight rounds, there's going to be a lot of goings on in Norway and Sweden. Mm. And of course, Denmark will have some some content um, in coming weeks as well. But that'll be it for now. Uh, thank you so much, Steve. You can find Steve on Twitter at MeatManSoccer. You can find me at JFFootball, J-F-F-U-T-B-O-L. Always feel free to drop us a message uh, or a question for the pod at Twitter and at NordicFootPod. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Tell your friends. Give it a five-star rating if you can. We always appreciate that. Um, and subscribe on YouTube if you'd like. So loads of different things for you to do if you want to support us and enjoy this free content. Um, but that'll be all from me. And Steve, thank you very much. Any closing remarks? Uh, what we're going to have to call this episode, sorry seems to be the easiest word, right? Um, <laughs> but do uh, yeah, do follow us on the socials at Soccer at JF Football, at Nordic Footpod. And uh, stay safe, take care, and uh, see you next time. Have a good week, everyone.